It's nice to see everyone. Um, I want you guys to take a moment, and I want you to think back to your childhood. This is We're going to go back a little ways and reminisce a little bit. and uh, Think back to when you were a kid. Um, there were typically four moments in, 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 in every kid's lives that happened for about 13 years. 13 years of their lives, there are four moments each year that, that each kid had usually two different responses. You were on one side or the other. One side of this response was typically a, an anxiousness, maybe a little bit of fear, uh, concern about what's going to happen. The other side of this was joy and pride and excitement. And what I'm talking about is your report card time when you were a kid, right? We, we, we had typically two sides to when you received your report card, you were either one kid or you were the other kid. I can tell you myself, I was usually the kid on the side that was anxious. Maybe not so much when I was in elementary school. I did pretty good in school. I, you know, typically A's and B's and as I got older, though, when I got into, like, junior high and senior high, school became less important, and the social aspect of school was more important. And I did just enough to be able to play sports. That's basically where it was at. And just enough to be able to maintain whatever social life that I had, you know, hanging out with my friends, and so my parents wouldn't get too angry. But, but there were times, I will say, there were times where, you know, you, you, you contemplate, do I change this grade? <laughs> no, just kidding. I wouldn't do that. But uh, there, there were times where you would, would contemplate, like, man, what, what's going to happen? My dad's going to be mad. My mom's going to be mad. This is not good. And, uh, and you, you were fearful. You were anxious. You were, oh, what's going to be the response here? But then there's the other side. My sister, my younger sister, she was usually on this other side where she worked hard. And uh, she focused in on her grades, and, 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 and she was rewarded by usually straight A's. And so report card time for her was nothing. It was easy. She would come home happy and joyful and, and, and full of pride. And my parents were like, oh, you did a great job, and you did wonderful. And, you know, they would take that report card and usually hang it on the refrigerator. That was back before Facebook. We had refrigerators, and you posted that on the wall, right? So you posted on, on the refrigerator, and, oh, everyone would come in and see, oh, look how good your kid is. My Report card typically was never on the refrigerator, I assure you. My younger sister, though, for sure, all the time. And, and this is typically how it was for kids. So this story today, what we're going to get into, this, this passage of Scripture, is similar to this. We have Paul, who, who is currently in Corinth, and we're going to jump into that a little bit further. And, and he sent Timothy off, and Fred talked about this last week, Timothy off to, to visit the Thessalonians to see what was going on, to get a report. And Paul is anxiously awaiting this report from Timothy. And that's kind of where we're going to get started here. So let's jump in, into the word. We're in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. But now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all distress and affliction, we were encouraged about your faith. For now we live, if you stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experienced before our God because of you? As we pray very earnestly, night and day, to see you face to face to complete what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another. And for everyone, just as we do for you. May you make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. 
Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this passage. Thank you for the, the encouragement that, that we hope to receive from it, Lord. Thank you for the, the message that, that we hope to receive from We ask right now that you let your spirit fill this room, that you would open our hearts to receive your word. I pray that you would just speak through me and uh, let it not be my words, but your words being spoken. Lord, we just give you all the glory for what you're going to do this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So again, here we have Paul. He is in Corinth. Now, um, we're going to go back a little bit to, to the beginning of the chapter. Fred touched on it a little bit last week. This is basically just a follow-up of his message, a direct follow-up of his message last week. And, and so Paul is in Corinth because when he was in the Thessalonians, with the Thessalonians, he was persecuted. He was fearful of his life. There were, there were, there were uh, people after him, basically. And he was, because of his faith, because of his ministry, he had to flee. He had to get out of there quickly. So he left, and he went to Corinth, and he left his church there. And, and while he was in Corinth, there was just anxiety that he was feeling, this, this anxiousness that he was feeling, this desire to know what was going on with his church, with the people that he left. He was worried for them. So what we read in, 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 in verse 1, he says, Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. So he was at a point where he couldn't stand this any longer. He had to find out what was going on with his church. So he said, I'm going to stay here by myself if I need to. You go, Timothy. Find out what's going on with my church. I'm going to be here by myself. I'm going to take that chance. I'm not, and it was at this point in time, Paul was doing pretty good in Corinth. There wasn't uh, too many issues. He was kind of secure and, and, and things were okay. There was always the, in the background the fear of, you know, someone after him. But for the time being, he was okay. So he said, go, go check out. And then we read in verse 5 again, he kind of says the same thing. For this reason, when I can no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be for nothing. Paul was so concerned that not only that, that they were being persecuted, but he was worried about the false teachers, the false prophets, and what they were going to do within the church. Were they going to come and infiltrate, infiltrate and, and try to spread their wrong word, their, 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 their sinful ways? And was his church strong enough in their faith to be able to withstand that? Were they going to be able to, to, to believe what God was telling them as opposed to what these false teachers are telling them? Were they going to be tempted by the tempter? Paul was worried that, that the work that he put in, the effort that he put in, was going to not be for anything because they were going to quickly fall away from Paul, what Paul was teaching them. A genuine concern. A genuine worry. There, this is kind of, you ever see those memes back in the day? Or I think they still happen. Um, where you get that one, like, you know, find someone who looks at you like so-and-so looks like a so-and-so. Or something like, in fact, I found one on, 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 online here. You can take a look. Be, oh, there's one, yeah. <laughs> right, find someone who loves you like Fred likes long, loves Long John Silvers. Right, if you guys have been on Facebook at all, there's just been this little thing going back and forth about Fred's love for um, Long John Silvers. And, and, uh, but it's, it's kind of what it is, right? Paul had this genuine love for his church. And, and we all should long to find a leader, a pastor, leaders, who genuinely have a love for their congregation, for their people. 
We, I can tell you that if you're in a church that, that has a pastor whose only job is to pastor and not to shepherd and not to lead and not to love, that church is not going to last very long. We need a, a church that's going to have someone like Paul that when they're separated from their church, there's a longing to get back to them. There's a desire to get back to them. But it's got to be reciprocal. It can't just be the pastor loving the church. The church also has to love the pastor. We have a responsibility as a congregation. So let's take a look at verse 6. It says, But now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us as we also long to see you. We see that, that this relationship was not only Paul loving. Timothy is now back with, to Paul with this report. Paul is excited about this report. He's, he's happy to hear what's going on with his church. And, and he finds out that not only is the church doing well and they're staying strong in their faith and in their love, but the church is missing him as well. There's a genuine love and connection between a pastor and a congregation. Paul is concerned for them, and they are concerned for Paul. That, right there, is what church should look like. This is what we should be going through ourselves. Whenever Pastor Fred or Marty or Greg is, is not around, we should have a longing to see them, and see them succeed, and see them grow, and see them continue to teach us. And they should have a longing for us, to see us continue to grow, continue to thrive, continue to learn. This is what's happening between Paul and the Thessalonica church. Not only that, Paul says, he says, uh, good news about your faith and love. It's interesting, Paul uses this phrase often when he's talking about his church. We're not going to go through the scriptures, but I'll give you some references. Ephesians 1.15, Colossians 1.4, 2 Thessalonians 1.3, 1 Timothy 1.5, Philemon 1.5. Each one of those passages says the exact same thing. Good news about your faith and your love. Paul knew and it's important that we recognize that Paul knew that a church, for it to thrive and function, need to be a church that is built on faith and built on love. Both of those things are essential. Faith and love. That's why Paul used this so often. Recognizing that we need to have faith and love as a church. Verse 7. He said, therefore, brothers and sisters, in all of our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about um, encouraged through your faith. So my first point, encouragement comes from the faith of others. This scripture, this passage, ideally what it is is Paul encouraging the church of Thessalonica. And Paul himself being encouraged by them. There's a mutual thing happening here. Because of their faith, Paul is being encouraged. And despite his struggles, despite the distress and the affliction that he's going through, Paul was saying, I am encouraged because of the faith of you guys. I see that God is doing some incredible things in the church here. I see that God is, is continuing to work through you. I see that you were able to withstand any temptations that came your way. Timothy reported all these things to him, and Paul is saying, I am so encouraged by what I just saw, or what I just heard, I should say. My mom was uh, one, of those pers one of those people who just genuinely 
had an incredible faith. And so much so, like, I, I know when I would go through any struggles or something would be going on in my life, I would give her a quick phone call. And somehow she just had ability to know something was up, usually the timing of my phone call or, or the voice. Um, and she would ask, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I would just listen to her. And she just believed, regardless of what was happening in her life, regardless of what was happening in my life, that God was in control. She had the faith to, to understand that, that God would provide and she never would give you any wise words or anything over the top. But, but when you hung up that phone with her, you felt encouraged because of the faith that she had. And my perspective would change because of the faith that she had. Matthew 6, 31 through 34 kind of explains this a little bit. So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. When we see other people who are practicing their faith, who are strong in their faith, who are living their life the way God wants them to live their life, doing the things that God has called them to do. We should be encouraged by that. I know as, as a leader in the church, and I'm sure the pastors will feel the same way, they, when you see the, the church body functioning and doing what God has called them to do, when they're working and they're volunteering and they're growing and they're learning and they're studying their Bible and they're getting in the Word, they're praying, they're worshiping God, those things are going to encourage anyone who sees it. And we ourselves as a congregation should feel the same exact way. When I look around this room and I see people growing, I get encouraged by that. When I see people doing those things that God's called them to do, I get encouraged by that. Paul is saying the same thing. I'm encouraged because you guys were continuing to do the work of God. Church, we come together for that reason, right? We need the communi communion. We need to, to congregate because we need to be encouraged by each other. We need to be able to look at each other and say, look what he's doing. Look what she's doing. And I want to go do that myself. I want to be encouraged by that. I need that in my life. Verse 8, he says, for now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. This is, this is more than just a, oh man, that felt great. I'm glad to see things are going. Now we live. This is a urgency. Paul was so worked up and anxious about the fact that they were, that, that there were things going on that he couldn't control because he was not there, that he was feeling to a point where there's pressure on himself. The struggle that he had. And it's interesting with Paul because we look back in Philippians, Paul was that guy who said, I can be content in all things, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because I've learned to be content in both the good and the bad. But here Paul is concerned about his church to the point where he is truly just struggling with it. This burden, this pressure that he has. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. He heard this report from Timothy. And, and in the next point here, encouragement. This encouragement that he received provided relief. Do you ever have those moments in your life where you are just going through it and you... 
Maybe it's a financial burden. Maybe it's a, an illness. Maybe it's just a decision has to be made, and, and you're feeling the pressure of this burden. And someone comes along and just gives you a word of encouragement, and you just feel that relief. Yeah, they're right. God is in control. Yeah, you're right. And I, I, the best example I can give this is, you know, in, in the wintertime, I don't mind driving in the snow too much. It doesn't really bother me. You know, of course, there are moments where it gets a little hairy and you white-knuckle it a little bit. But for the most part, I'm okay with it. But as a dad who has two kids that drive, I am not okay with it. And it stresses me out when my kids are out and it's snowing. And they're at work or they're out doing something else and it starts to snow. I am just going to panic mode. And I, I get anxious. Oh, my goodness, when are they getting home? Man, come on, hurry up, get here. Oh, please stop snowing, stop snowing. This is the, the internal battle that I have on a regular basis. And it's not until the moment they pull up in front of the house that I feel finally the relief from the stress and pressure that I have from them being out on the road. Paul is feeling this exact same thing. 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 29, he says five times, and this is, this, is a, this is Paul and the struggles that he's going through and, and, and kind of showing us why Paul needed this relief, right? Five times I received 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in an open sea on frequent journeys. I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. Toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing. Not to mention other things, there is the daily pressure on me and my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. All these things Paul was going through, all these hardships, and he says, on top of that, there's the pressure of the churches that I have to deal with. And Paul, because of the faith of his church in Thessalonica, got some semblance of relief because they were following God. Anyone in leadership can tell you we need that sense of relief on a regular basis. There has to be moments where, where we see growth happening. And when we see growth happening, we feel the relief that only that encouragement can provide. Verse 9, how can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you? Next point, encouragement produces joy. Encouragement produces joy. I can tell you from experience that it is an incredible thing to watch and to witness a new believer taking steps in their faith. When you first see them come in and they're, they're in their infancy and they really have no idea of what they've just gotten themselves into. And then all of a sudden the light starts to turn on in their heads and you can see it. And they're starting to, to dig into their Bible and they're starting to, to focus in on their relationship with God. And their prayer life is changing. And you can hear just in the words that they're speaking and the actions that they're taking that God is doing incredible work in their lives. This, this idea, this, 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 this growth that they're seeing should, should bring us all joy in our lives. It should excite us. We should see it and, and, and want it more. 
We should want to see more people growing. We should want to see more people learning. And, and we should be energized by the fact that they are continuing their growth. It should make you happy to see it. When I see little kids who come out of that room and, and, and just learn their memory verse, it should bring you joy. When I see teenagers growing, it should bring you joy. When I see people in small group who are participating and growing in their relationship with Christ, it should bring you joy. As a church body, when I see people standing around after church service, talking to each other, hanging out with each other, sharing life together, that should bring you joy. We have a privilege that a lot of people just don't have. We get to witness God at work on a regular basis, and that should bring you joy. Verse 10, as we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is taking or what is lacking in your faith. Next point, encouragement should motivate. Paul, as excited as he was and as happy as he was to see the church thriving and growing and withstanding and standing firm in, in, in their relationship with Christ, Paul also recognized that there was more to be done, that this was not the end of it, that, that Paul was so anxious to get back that he said he was praying earnestly night and day, so continuously praying so that he could get back to his people. To get back to his people to continue their teaching, to continue their, their, their opportunities to grow and to learn because he knew that they were lacking certain aspects of their faith. Paul was motivated because he was encouraged by what was going on and he was so excited about that part of it that he wanted to make sure that he continued their teaching and their growing and their learning. We should be feeling that same exact motivation when we see other people growing and learning and, 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 and changing their lives for Christ. We should get motivated to do more. I know as, 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 as someone who's done a lot of different things that, that it's, there are ups and downs in any relationship. And, and it's the same for our relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, there are ups and downs. We have moments where we are just on fire and we're, we're, we're learning, we're digging into the word and we're studying hard. But then there are those moments where, you know, it's just kind of, uh, ho-hum, daily things, I ask, I got to read, I got to do this. When I see people excited for God, when I see people doing God's work, I get motivated to do more in my own relationship with God. I need to be encouraged by other people and other people's growth and other people's learning. I need to be encouraged in other people's relationship with God. And if I'm not receiving that, it's, it's harder for me to get out of those moments where I'm low. And on top of that, and I think the biggest thing that we should recognize is, is when I see people who come to know Christ and the excitement that they have and the passion they have and, and this joy, I should want everyone that I know to feel that same exact thing. This is not something that we can take lightly because I have people in my life that don't know Christ. And when I see people who 
finally come to know the Lord and, 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 and believe on him and I see the change in their lives, why wouldn't I want that for the people that I care about and love? And I should be motivated to go and, 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 and disciple and teach and witness and share my testimony so that others can know Christ and so that others can spend eternity with him in heaven. We should be motivated and encouraged by people's relationship with God. Let's move on to verse 11. He said, now may our God and Father himself. Now, Paul has shifted here, right? So he was writing a letter, encouraging and talking. Now he's shifted to a prayer. And he's praying for his church at this point in time. He says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Again, reiterating that he wants to, to get back to them. That this relationship that he has with his church is, is important and he wants to get back to them so they can continue to teach them, continue to grow with them, continue to love on them. Verse 12, and may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone just as we do for you. So we talked a little bit earlier about faith, which we kind of talked about, you know, being encouraged by the faith of others. And here's the second part of what Paul was talking about, love. Right, so my next point, encouragement and experience in loving relationships. I, uh, as I was preparing for this, I came across a, an article, believe it or not, in, 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 in Dear Abby, <laughs> of all places. But I think it appropriately fits what, we, uh, what we're talking about here. In this article, it talks about a uh, retired school teacher um, in this column. And uh, one day when she was still teaching, she gave all the uh, kids a piece of paper, and on that piece of paper, all the kids were instructed to write down the name of every student in the class. So they all wrote down the name of every student in the class. And then the teacher then instructed them to say the nicest thing that they can say about each student in that class, and they write it down. So each one of those kids took the time, wrote it down, the nicest thing they can say about the other students in the class. The teacher then took the, those papers home that weekend, and she broke it down so that each student had their own list, and she listed all the things that all the other classmates said about that student. And she broke that down for each of the kids. And then on Monday, she got back to school, and she handed out all these papers to each one of those students. And each one of those students received it, and they started to read. And they started to see all these things. And, and it didn't take long, of course, for all these kids to start smiling. And you hear murmurs of, oh, I didn't think people felt that way about me. I didn't even think people liked me that much. Oh, I can't believe this person said this about me. These kids, seeing these encouraging words, the kindness of these other kids, and they feel overwhelmed. A few years later, uh, one of these students, his name was Mark, uh, passed away. And the teacher went to the funeral. And, uh, they, and along with a bunch of other kids from this class that they remained friends. And uh, <clears throat> after the funeral, um, the parents of Mark came up to their their teacher and said, hey, we want to show you something. And the father pulled out of his wallet that list that they did when they were kids. And he said, my son cherished this list and he kept it with him all the time. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to do this. And other kids, other, other adults at this point in time were around and they heard the same thing. And one by one they would come up and say, I still have my list as well. One said, I have my list framed at my house, and I read it every day. 
Another one says, I keep that in my drawer desk at my, at my office. Simple things like words of kindness changed the life of these kids. So much so that as they were adults, it still had an impact on them. I want to be part of a church that loves like that. I want to be part of a church that when I come in on a Sunday morning, you notice there's something different. A church that cares for each other. A church that loves on each other. A church that that shares in the burdens. A church that celebrates together. I want to be part of a church when you walk in here, you feel the love of God radiating through the people of the church. We need that love for each other. We need to be able to walk in and say, I'm struggling with something in my life and, and, and trust and know that the person in that church is going to come and lift me up. They're going to pray for me. They're going to love on me. That's the church I want to be part of. This is the church that Paul was saying that was happening at, in, in Thessalonians. He saw the love for each other. And because of that love, they were able to withstand any temptation that was coming their way. Because no one wanted to see another one fail. No one wanted to see another one struggle. So they carried each other's burdens. They lifted each other up. I want to do that with you guys. And I hope you guys want to do the same thing. Love each other. That's why God said it's one of the greatest commandments. To love one another. He knew how important that was for a church to grow and thrive. A church without love is not a church going to function. It's just not going to happen. It's one of the, firm, the, the building blocks, the foundational pieces of a church is love and faith. And without that, it's not going to work. Let's go to the next verse, verse 13. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. Amen. So here we have Paul kind of closing out. It's interesting that, that Paul uses this same phrase, um, same idea, the coming of Jesus. If you look on in, in, in 1 Thessalonians at the end of that, he talks about, and, and wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. Right, This idea of waiting for, for the son to come back. In chapter 2, at the end of chapter 2, he says the same thing. Um, in verse 19, for who is our hope, our joy, our crown of boasting in the presence of the Lord at his coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. And then here we are again in verse 13. He says, may you make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God, Father, and the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. I'm not going to get into that too, too much because in chapter 4 we're going to dive into that a lot more. But he's talking about the rapture. Right? He's talking about Christ coming back for his believers. And that one day we're all going to be lifted up with him, meeting in the air. And he wants his church to recognize this because it's important that we understand that, in my next point, that we should be encouraged because Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. 
And regardless of what's happening with us right now in, this, in, in this, this earthly state that we're in, regardless of the struggles that we're going through, regardless of the hardships that we're enduring, regardless of the, the pain and suffering that we may have, regardless of even the good things that, we're going on, that are going on in our lives, none of this matters because it's temporary and it's fleeting. Because Jesus is coming again. And our encouragement is the fact that as a believer in Jesus Christ, I am going to be lifted up with him and I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with him. That's truly the, all the encouragement that I should ever need. That God is sending his son again to take me to heaven with him. Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14, he says, For this is what the Lord says, When 70 years of Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and I will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all nations and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you to the place from which I deported you. The Lord's declaration. I am coming again. And you will spend eternity with me in heaven. Jesus is coming again. So. What does that mean for us? I'm going to read. This, I don't know who the author is, but I thought it was appropriate because I think it's a good direction for us here at church. It says, whenever two people come in contact with each other, they will never be the same. Any encounter, they leave either more encouraged or more discouraged. The good news is that you can uh, consciously choose the impact that you have on those whom you spend time. That is possible because God has provided human beings with the power to make constructive changes in their lives. Becoming a more encouraging person is simply a matter of choice. Personal growth is more likely to occur in a supportive atmosphere. And encouragers are committed to providing that kind of nurturing environment. The encourager's ministry is to help people believe in the possibility of improving their character and circumstances with God's help. The encourager wears our hope and faith. And they are freely dispensed at every opportunity. We have the opportunity to be encouragers. We have the opportunity to do some incredible things here at Redemption Church. And, 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 and if you think about where we were when we first began here, God has done some incredible stuff. We are one week away from our one-year anniversary here in this building. And, 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 and through, the, through this time, there has been some incredible stuff that has happened. And, and I want to take some time, since we're talking about report cards, to to give you guys a report card, right? to be to present to you guys the things that you have done that, that has been good. And I will tell you this, you guys have all got your report cards on the refrigerator. We're all looking at it and being proud and happy because God has done some great things through us. So let's take a look at just a handful of things because I, I couldn't get all the stuff because there's so much that God's done. But, but I think it's good for us to look at it and reflect. Kids ministry. We'll start there, right? Our little guys. Um, they launched an e-cafe. They went from having five, five volunteers to 30 volunteers pretty quickly. How awesome is that? They launched New Kids Ministry curriculum in fall. Um, they moved from two kids. They moved to two kids ministry, which then required them to get volunteers, and they quickly were able to get volunteers enough so that we can have 
kids ministry in both services. Um, right at this point in time, they serve nearly 30 kids on average every Sunday. That's pretty awesome stuff. Student ministry. Um, Marty's been able to develop and, 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 and train up some incredible leaders in that group. And they're continuing to grow and, and get more leaders. Um, they're pouring into these kids on a weekly basis. They officially launched Student Impact Ministry in the fall of 2021. And these kids have grown and they're inclusive. They're, they're unified. They're excited about what God's doing in their lives. Um, they've successfully gone through three full lessons for the school year. What is the gospel? Bible 101 and how to share the gospel. Um, these kids are engaged. They're listening. They're retaining all that's being taught. Four of them have been baptized from the youth group. The fifth one's going to be baptized here soon. They got two kids who are starting a Bible study student outreach at Burrow Middle School. How incredible is that? Two young kids saying, you know what, we want to make a change where we're at. We're going to step up and out of our comfort zone, and we're going to, we're going to go and serve God in a way that, that, that is unexpected for kids that age to say we're going to do something different. That's God working in their lives. We have one, of those, one, one student that's getting ready to go on the mission trips to Mexico. Again, stepping out of their comfort zone. That's some pretty, pretty incredible stuff. Those same students, plenty of them are, are serving every Sunday. We have kids that are running the slides for the, for the worship and, and the sermon. We have kids that are participating in worship and kids' ministry. I'm already pouring into these kids. These kids are growing and they're learning. Young adult ministry. Just a few a month ago or so, they were able to, to have a two-day conference where those young adults got together. And then shortly thereafter, they're posting pictures of them going out to the neighborhoods, a community, and serving God, helping others. Young adults who are stepping up and out of their faith to go do and serve the community. They have an incredible group of, of young adults who are, who are close together, who are serving God. Just look up here on a Sunday morning. The young adults that are, that are leading, they're helping with worship and leading worship. Who are up there in the, and helping with sound and doing incredible things. Who are back there teaching our young kids. Young adults stepping up. Adult ministry, you guys are doing great as well. Us older people, myself included. Right, we had just recently 40 people complete book one of the Disciples' Path who are investing in, in their time in the small groups, who are growing together in relationships, building each other up, and learning to be disciples so that they can then become disciple-makers. Incredible stuff. We've had two pastors be ordained in this building. How incredible is that? Marty and Greg, who, who, who did the work needed, and they were ordained here, and we can all witness that. And God has, has, has been using them in incredible ways. We're just one week away again from our one-year anniversary here in this building. And the work that was done to transform this place to where it is now has been incredible. And it continues to be incredible. God continues to do incredible things through this. We were able to witness and be part of two different churches launching, one in Greensburg, one in New Kensington. We had three pastors' luncheons. We had a worship seminar. Uh, we had multiple preaching workshops via Still City Church Planners. God is doing some incredible things for the community and reaching out beyond these walls here at Redemption. We were able to provide meals for hundreds of people during Free Food Fridays. That's hard to say after. <laughs> free Food Fridays. Um, cars just coming and getting free food. That we were able to provide. Hundreds of kids being ministered to through Kids Quest, the summer bucket giveaway, Halloween costume exchange, opportunities to reach out to our communities. We started a, a tutoring program here. Kids who are struggling in school are able to come and get help that they need so they can do their best they can in school. 
we were able to provide um, water by funding and digging two wells with a third one about to be funded. Again, the reach going beyond these four walls, out to the communities, out to the world. We're working on doing our second mission trip here soon. Setting out a team to, to minister with redemption, through redemption, but more importantly through what God is doing. The church is growing, guys. The church is doing some incredible things. We, 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 we are ministering to the community and to the world. We are thriving. But, like Paul said, there's more to do. I need to get back because I need to continue their, their, working with them in their faith. We as a church need to continue to grow. Because as much as we've done, and that's a great list, and again, there's plenty more that I can probably go over. But I don't want to be here all day. There, 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 that's, that's an incredible work that we've done. But there's more that can be done. This, even now, this morning, Fred's at Lighthouse, ministering to a church that we have an opportunity to be part of. To start a Friday night service. Right, to, to help them continue to, to minister to other people. To partner with them so that they can continue to serve God. But that requires work. That requires volunteers. That requires people to step up. We can't continue to do the same things with the same number of people. We have to continue to grow. We have to continue to build on the faith that we have now and continue to learn and continue to be taught and continue to, to serve God in ways that maybe take us out of our comfort zone. Like those two little girls who are starting a ministry at Little Pearl Middle School. So my question to you, my challenge to you guys, my encouragement to you guys is to be motivated by that list of things that God has already done here at Redemption Church. And, and want to do more. Because God has done some incredible stuff. I know I personally want to see God continue to do incredible stuff through Redemption Church. I want to be a, a church that is known for all the work that they're doing outside of these, these, these four walls. I want to see people's lives changed. And that starts right here with you guys. I'm encouraging you guys to step up and step out of your faith. Let God do incredible things through you for the people around you. You guys are doing an incredible job. You guys have continued to do an incredible job. But God has more for you. I know it. God will never give us more than we can handle. But God wants to give us more.